Good morning, and thank you for joining us for Neon and Beyond. I'm Lauren Bond, and super excited this morning to have joining us in the studio is Sarah Mortimer. She is the executive director from the Tortoise Group, and I cannot wait to get into this interview. Sarah, thank you so much for coming in. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate the opportunity to talk all about tortoises. <laughs> and you know what? There's a lot to learn. And um, we're going to jump right in. The Tortoise Group, I don't know a lot about the Tortoise Group. Your organization is new to me. Tell me a little bit of background about yourself and you, what you do with the Tortoise Group. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Sarah Mortimer. I'm the executive director with Tortoise Group. I've been with Tortoise Group since 2015. I have a background in biology with an emphasis in zoology. I had originally come on board as the adoption coordinator back in 2015 and then um, moved on to become the operations manager, and now I sit in the executive director position. Tortoise Group has been around since 1982. It was founded by a group of five women. Our, one of our founders actually was also a biologist. And Tortoise Group has been around to help serve both pet desert tortoises as well as wild desert tortoise needs. So a lot of our efforts include wild conservation projects as well as adoptions. So Tortoise Group is legally the only agency that's allowed to adopt desert tortoises in the state of Nevada. Is that, oh, I did not know that. It, there has to be some sort of, you know, license to do that. Yes. Yeah, so it is legal to have them as pets. Basically, people were grandfathered in to keep them as pets when they were federally listed back in 1990. So they are a federally listed species. They're listed as threatened. So it's really important that we treat this species with care. People that adopt are known as custodians or caretakers. You can't technically own a desert tortoise because they're still considered wildlife under Nevada state law. Interesting. So our organization works a lot with wild desert tortoise issues as well as pet desert tortoise issues and a lot of education efforts. So if I had a tortoise in my, in my home, he's not my tortoise. Not technically. <laughs> but we, of course... Still treat them all like they're all of our tortoises. <laughs> this is my roommate tortoise? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's excellent. Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting facts about the tortoise that I did not know. And there are a lot of people out there who do have tortoises in their care. And I had no idea their specific needs, how they live their lives, their breeding, which apparently is prolific. And, you know, some of the, the issues that we have with our desert tortoises. So let's just dive right in. Tortoises, of course, can live a very long life. Yes. So in captivity, desert tortoises can live to be 80 to 100 years. So it's a really big commitment. And oftentimes desert tortoises will outlive their caretakers because they live so long. So it's really important to have a long-term plan. Maybe it includes putting the tortoise in your will, or if you have kids that you can pass it along to, then that's perfect. Well, let me ask you this then. Um, the tortoise, aren't they pretty much self-sufficient? So if they did escape, you don't have to worry too much. They uh, are very well adapted to the desert. We, of course, don't want pet desert tortoises escaping. The main issue why we keep the two populations separated is because tortoises in captivity, once they enter captivity, could be carriers of diseases, and it can ah. be really harmful if they spread those diseases to wild populations. Sure. Oh, we which... absolutely don't want our to tortoise to get out <laughs> and, you know, run away. But I'm saying, you know, they're pretty adapted to this environment. Yes. So we do live within the natural range of the desert tortoise if you're in southern Nevada. So it is important that your tortoise does live outside. It's important for them to get the nutrients that they need from sunlight. 
we want to imitate what they're doing in the wild as best we can. And of course, they're already living naturally in the desert surrounding Las Vegas, so we want them outside. The most important aspect of a desert tortoise habitat in your backyard would be creating a burrow and making sure that your yard is escape proof. Right. And then having some plants available for your tortoise to graze and browse upon and then a water dish. Although tortoises can go a very, very long time without water, over a year in the wild, we want to be supplying them with a regular supply of water in your backyard. How do they manage that? So they're really fascinating animals, and their bladder can actually expand up to one-third their body cavity. Wow. And they can reabsorb that water into their systems and utilize that when they're going through periods of drought. So it's really important that if you're lucky enough to come across a desert tortoise in the wild, not to startle it, make sure you're staying a good amount of distance away because if you do startle that tortoise and it loses its water and pees, that's their entire water supply. <laughs> it can happen. Yes, it, it does happen all the time. And we don't want wild tortoises dying of dehydration. Sure. We want to keep those numbers up as best we can. And we have plenty of tortoises in captivity. Actually, that's become a really big issue. Okay. So, one of the main points that we would like to talk about today is preventing backyard breeding from happening. Because once tortoises start breeding in someone's backyard, they are very prolific breeders. Now in the wild, only one to 3% make it to adulthood. That's from egg stage to reaching sexual maturity, which is anywhere from 10 to 15 years old. So a very long time period that they're vulnerable to predators. But in someone's backyard, where they're being protected from predators, many, many more make it to adulthood. And you run into issues of overcrowding in a backyard. So for instance, a female can lay anywhere from one to 15 eggs in a clutch and up to three clutches in a year. So you can go from having two tortoises to having 45 within one season. Are they solitary creatures? They are. So in the wild, they really only come together to mate or to fight for a mate. And neither one of those things we want happening in your backyard. (laughs) Right. No, not at all. So they generally need a wide area just to kind of have as their own. Are they territorial? They can be in the wild, but um, a normal backyard is usually sufficeable for one tortoise. And tortoise group does only adopt out one tortoise per household. Okay. Um, And the main reason for that is because they are solitary in the wild. So keeping two adult tortoises in a smaller area can stress out both tortoises. Males will often, males almost for sure will fight. (laughs) And even females have been known to fight. You know, we've had reports of one of my volunteers had two females for nearly 20 years and it only took one summer that one flipped the other one over and she didn't make it. So it's just awful and heartbreaking. Is that how they try to end it with the other, the other turtle? They flip them over? Sometimes. A A lot of the times they'll, the males especially will joust and try to flip each other over. Or even if they're trying to mate and the female's not being cooperative, then they'll get aggressive with the female. Oh, no. So you don't want any of that happening in your backyard. Oh, sounds very gory. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, so I recently had someone tell me that they were looking for a companion for their tortoise. They have a female and they wanted to find a male. So not a good idea. Definitely not a good idea. We really just want to keep them alone. They're happy with you as company or if you have other pets, 
but tortoises together don't really mix well. <laughs> no, not a good idea. So uh, I sometimes will see or read about someone trying to rehome a tortoise. Is that something you discourage? Is this something that's not really supposed to happen? So we actually do encourage that. And okay. our website actually has a rehoming platform for people to rehome their tortoise on their own. Okay. So because they are listed, people aren't allowed to buy, sell, or trade their tortoises okay. because they're federally listed. But they are allowed to gift them or give them away to somebody else. We okay. just typically ask people to have whoever they're transferring their tortoise to register them on our website because mm -hmm. that makes them the legal custodian of their tortoise. Mm -hmm. And it's free. Easy to do. You can even do it anonymously if you don't want your name anywhere. Oh, okay. Awesome. So you're encouraging anyone who is the custodian of a tortoise to have keep only one. Yes. Per yard, per family, per, I don't know. Um, you know, I know we had one when we were young and um, often escaped. They can burrow. They can yes. dig under fences. They can dig under cement fences, the cinder block. They're pretty, you know, crafty when it comes to getting out, when they want to go somewhere. So um, it, it seems like a constant battle to keep them in the yard. It really is. And we do our best to make sure that people have secured their yards. But like you mentioned, they are they can dig burrows and holes underneath things. And they are really good at escaping yards as well, which is also a pretty common misconception that people don't understand how people lose tortoises because they're such a slow moving animal. <laughs> but let me tell you, they're very sneaky they're and they very crafty. And they also blend into their environment so sure. well. So I mean, we've had phone calls of people that have had tortoises. They found a tortoise in their yard, and who knows how long that tortoise has been there. They could have burrowed under a shrub and been there for weeks. Who knows? Right. Yeah. They're not always constantly moving, and sometimes they do. Well, they can spend up to 95% of their lives underground. So oh, is that? Oh, okay. not uncommon that a tortoise wanders somewhere else and digs another burrow. Right. Now, I know they're, they're, um, they go on into their burrow for an amount of time every year. Is that the, I mean, a very, very long time? How long are they no, tend to, do they tend to get into that burrow? And yes. So they're most active in spring and fall. And then during the wintertime, uh, they brewmate, which is the reptilian form of hibernation. So that typically occurs around mid-October to mid-March, depending on the individual tortoise and depending on outside temperatures. And they don't come out. And they don't come out. They might come out if they sense oncoming rain. That's pretty much the only case that they would come out during the winter. They just remain dormant the entire time. So you don't need to provide them with food or with water oh, wow. for half of the year. And that nearly. is one of their skills to be able to detect oncoming rain. Yes. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's part of their natural instincts. If we think about it, they might not be able to get a big drink of water very often in the desert. So it mm -hmm. makes sense that that natural instinct really kicks in when we have a big rain during the winter. They'll come out and get a big drink of water, and then they'll just go back into brumation. Wow. And you um, you say that uh, they get a lot of their uh, hydration from their, their diet, the food they eat. What is it that they typically eat? So tortoises, what we, uh, we want to imitate in your backyard as well, they're herbivores. So that means they eat plants. So they eat cacti, annual grasses, and desert wildflowers. Uh, common misconceptions. People want to feed them fruits and strawberries and watermelons because they see it all over the internet, <laughs> which while it's very cute, it's not part of their natural diet. So we need to take that into consideration. With pet desert tortoises, we tell people to limit that amount. And that's not like a once a 
t- day treat. Uh-huh. Uh, that's more of like a once a month treat oh, because it's way too much way too much sugar. So people, you know, always want to say, well, my tortoise loves strawberries or watermelon. watermelon and I yeah. say, well, of course they do. It's sugar. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like if you're going to give kids candy or a healthy option, they're going to choose the candy. <laughs> right. Well, I see videos on social media. People will post um, of them feeding their tortoise uh, fruit. And boy, do they go crazy over it. So I know they do love it. I mean, they just go nuts and they just, they're chompers, man. They go Boy, they can really put the food away. Yes. So. <laughs> they do love flowers, too. They're really attracted to just bright colors uh-huh. in general. So they can see yellows, reds, pinks, oranges. So a lot of times when people paint their toenails, too, they'll sometimes go after brightly <laughs> colored toenails. Oh, how cute. Now, they are quite friendly and quite tame, right? They are pretty friendly once they get used to being around humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make really great pets, actually, because they do interact with quite a bit with humans and they are just very therapeutic to watch and Mm -hmm. hang out in your backyard with. Do you think they bond with humans? I personally do. (laughs) (laughs) And I've had plenty of people report to me that, you know, their tortoise will come when they call their names. And while it might be more food motivated than anything, uh, it's still very cute and fun to witness. I've seen some interesting videos, again, on social media where they have quite a personality. One will have more of a personality than another, but they're um, pretty interesting to watch and to to just kind of sit around and just kind of keep an eye on. But, um, well, I mean, if you were going to consider being the custodian of a tortoise, um, maybe you wanted two, and probably not the best idea, but can they be spayed or neutered? They can be spayed and neutered. It is quite an expensive process. Tortoise Group used to partner with other agencies and host a sterilization clinic in the past Mm -hmm. where it was free for people to come bring their tortoise to be sterilized. Unfortunately, Um, That was a five-year contract, but it is still possible. There are vets in town that can do it. Females do have to be spayed a certain time of the year, and males, if they're neutered, doesn't change their behavior, which is also a a common thing that people are trying to run into because desert tortoises have very high levels of testosterone, Uh and when they are um, experiencing mating season in spring and fall, they'll be very active and trying to escape because they're looking for a mate. (laughs) Um, But the process with neutering a male tortoise is a bit different. So um, it doesn't actually remove the testes. So that testosterone is still flowing, but they can't reproduce. It just seems like a far reach, the two, to to go that, you know, to have your um, tortoise spayed or neutered. But it was just a question that may be on some people's... We do advocate for it, though. Because most of the time, tortoises will outlive their caretaker. Sure. So... Even if the tortoise is living alone now, it doesn't guarantee that it's not going to be housed with other adults in the future. Okay. So we want to keep the pet population to stop growing at such a fast rate. Yeah. (laughs) Now, uh, since I have so many questions about, uh, you know, the care of a tortoise, I'm sure there are people out there who actually have a tortoise. And when they need questions answered or need um, assistance and trying to figure out a maybe a, a situation with their own personal tortoise can they call you yeah absolutely so tortoise group has a volunteer ran hotline that is 24 hours it like i said it is volunteer ran so we 
it can take up to 24 hours for your call to be returned. Mm -hmm. You could also fill out a contact form on our website. If you're just looking for general information, our website is a great resource, as well as attending any of our general meetings or signing up for our newsletter. We put out information on seasonal behavior and what to expect and just opens the line for communication if you have any questions that might come up. What is that website? Tortoisegroup.org. Easy peasy, huh? Yes. Do you have any social media? We do. So we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are all great avenues to get involved as well. Oh, very cool. If someone wanted to volunteer, are you from time to time looking for volunteers? And what would that entail? We are always welcoming volunteers. And there's definitely multiple ways to get involved. Our busiest seasons are when tortoises are most active in spring and fall. But we do stuff during off-season as well in the wintertime. If you're looking to get involved with wild conservation projects, in the spring and fall we do road mortality surveys where we walk along roadways looking for live or um, dead tortoises, unfortunately. But that goes to help inform other agencies where future desert tortoise fencing should be installed. Um, And then during off-season we actually inspect desert tortoise fencing along roadways and report it to Nevada Department of Transportation for them, their maintenance team to fill in those holes or get any issues repaired before tortoises wake up in the springtime so that we are keeping as many tortoises off the roadways as possible. Do you guys know about how many tortoise are out there in our county? So in the greater Las Vegas area, Tortoise Group did a census back in 2018, and those uh, statistics came back to being about 150,000 oh my gosh. to 200,000, basically. And oh to gosh. put that into a frame of reference, Fish and Wildlife Service estimates that there's 200,000 total in wild populations throughout the entire range. So we basically have the population in captivity, and it's unfortunate because those animals can't be returned to the wild. If we were to explore doing something like that, it would be a very lengthy process because we don't want to be furthering the issue of declining the wild populations by spreading disease. So tortoises that were potential candidates to be put out into the wild would have to go under quarantine and multiple blood tests. It would be an expensive and lengthy process. Um, That's why it's really important that we're keeping captive tortoises captive and wild tortoises wild. So we don't want people taking them from the wild. Not only is it illegal, but we don't want to be dwindling the numbers any more than they are. And if you want a tortoise as a pet, there's plenty of them in (laughs) captivity already. That is definitely a very um, important balance, right? Yes, after you just explained um, the process for reintroducing a captive tortoise back into the wild, um, it doesn't seem like a really good option. I know as we try to place a lot of pets in forever homes, you always want to make the commitment, this is a forever commitment. However, there are some people out there who can't make that commitment or just don't. When it comes to a tortoise, what can they do if they don't have any options, they can't find anybody to take this tortoise? What do we do then? So typically people um, that are reaching out because they either found or they lost a tortoise or they're looking to surrender a tortoise to us, we typically ask them to post it to our website for a couple weeks on the rehome platform. Okay. And if they've exhausted all their options, they've asked coworkers, they've asked neighbors, they've asked friends, and they just really can't find anyone, 
if we have the space available, we will accept it. Otherwise, they are basically put on a waiting list until we have the space available. I see. Now, we do <clears throat> prioritize different situations. Like if a tortoise is in an abandonment case, like if someone mm-hmm. passed away and their tortoise was left there, mm-hmm. you know, that bumps that case to the top of the list. Sure, sure. When it comes to the um, well-being and healthcare for a tortoise, I'm sure there's specialty vets and you have uh, clinics, I believe, with the tortoise group that can help people with questions that they may have about the health of their tortoise. Yes. So tortoise group puts on four wellness clinics every year. We put two on in the spring and two in the fall. So we'll be having two wellness clinics coming up in September on September 2nd on September 16th. If people are interested in bringing their pet desert tortoises into one of those clinics, they could sign up for our newsletter because we send out basically a free-for-all to sign up for appointments, but we do also welcome walk-ins as well. And generally, people can come in and still bring in their tortoise even if they are unable to get an appointment. It can be difficult because as soon as we open up that platform, wow. it fills up really, really fast. Wow, actually. really? We run out of appointment spaces very, very quickly. So keep an eye out for that email to come out. And then it's also posted to our social medias and on our website events page. That's a really unique event for people to bring in their tortoise and have an external exam performed by a trained biologist or volunteer. So typically we work with other biologists that do construction sites and things like that that are looking to get more tortoise experience and they're trained on how what they're looking for throughout the external exam. And we also offer microchips for free to tortoises that are of a certain size. They have to be about seven to eight inches to receive a microchip. Oh, cool. But even if they're not big enough to receive a microchip, people can still bring in their pet tortoises for just an external exam. I did not know that they got microchipped. I've seen too many turtles get painted on, though, and I don't like that. Yeah, so that does seem to be an older practice. Hopefully more and more people are getting away from that. But we do... also offer a shell tag. So it's like a little license plate on the back of a tortoise because they are such good escape artists. And a lot of people don't know that they can be microchipped, that it's basically a little phone number on the back of the shell. The placement of that is what's most important because we don't want to mess with the shell development. How cool. I did not know that. Now, you've been doing this, like uh, you mentioned, since 2015, you've been with the tortoise group. I'm sure you've come across some interesting little guys out there. Do you have an idea about the oldest tortoise in captivity right now here in Las Vegas? I've had people say really outrageous numbers, but we did have one family that surrendered a tortoise. This was back in 2017, I believe. And they had records of this tortoise throughout their family since 1945. And so, like, that's the best record keeping that I know I can say with confidence that they probably did have this tortoise since 1945. Oh, cool. Which is very cool. It can be kind of like a family heirloom because they live so long. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty long. And they get pretty large. They actually really don't. So desert tortoises stick around 10 to 12 inches in shell length. Oh. It's the sulcatas that are sold in pet stores that get really, really big. They get to be 150 to 200 pounds sometimes. But desert tortoises typically stay around 10 to 12 inches. Although I will say I've seen some very big ones in captivity. (laughs) Um, Sometimes people are feeding them much 
too much protein and they get to be quite large. But that's still like about, I think the biggest one we ever measured was like 16 and a half inches. Can they become overweight? Yes, they can. They can? It's abnormal. Well, yeah, it's abnormal for them to be overweight, but they are very opportunistic feeders. (laughs) And in captivity, we have had issues with tortoises being overweight. And now to tell if your tortoise is overweight is if they have so much fat deposits that they can't pull their limbs in. Oh, wow. So we look at body condition <laughs> score. They're too fat for their shell? Mm-hmm, basically. <laughs> okay. So it's it's rare, but um, normally tortoises that we're seeing come through our wellness clinics are almost always well-fed or normal. Um, the, now, the ones that we come across in the wild are sometimes emaciated or normal. Oh. So it's the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is is fascinating, and um, I am so glad you came in. This is a lot of great information, interesting information, and just a very cool chat to have with you, Sarah. Again, your um, wellness clinics are coming up. The first one is in September. Yes, September 2nd and September 16th. Okay, and they can go to the tortoisegroup.org or just tortoisegroup.org and uh, get signed up there, right? Yeah, sign up for the newsletter, and you'll be emailed just pay attention to our emails. I don't send too many out, so I'm not going to be bothering you all the time, <laughs> but it's filled with good information and then those updates for those clinics and other events that we have available as well as volunteering opportunities. Fantastic. What a great gig you have. How rewarding. It is. I mean, you came in smiling and you've been smiling the entire time you're here and it's been a lot of fun talking to you. And thank you once again for coming in to uh, to fill us in and to let us know. And I learned a lot, and hopefully our listeners did as well. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it.